0: Live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. I
1: cannot believe it!
2: Welcome to a Thursday edition of The Final Drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey Labonte along with Nick Wiggins joining you on a kickoff, an NFL kickoff edition of The Final Drive. That's right, we're getting... Our fantasy lineups already set and ready to go. Nick Wiggins, if people want to join us in the app, they can download that free right. Android or Apple, download it, Sound of Mobile app. It's easy to do, but, man, I, I did not forget to set my fantasy
3: team Today, I I don't know if you forgot to set yours, you let the computer do it. I ain't got no Chiefs, I ain't got no Lions, so I got a couple more days to look at it. But hey, that Taco Mama gift card is going to be mine, that I know. Uh, Hey, look, we're battling for the $100
2: Taco Mama Fantasy Football League prize. And, And the biggest question is, Nick, pretty much coming in as we open up with Kansas City tonight, taking on the Detroit Lions Will the Kansas City Chiefs repeat as Super Bowl champions? Will Patrick
3: Mahomes tidy that up with another MVP yeah. in the NFL? See, look, here's a reason why you're gonna want to get in on the app, because I already know that y'all are gonna have my head for my Super Bowl predictions this season. And that's what Corey and I are gonna do. We're gonna we you know, you can you gotta lock it in before the game starts. Because if the Chiefs are bad or Mahomes gets hurt, then everyone's going to change their mind. you got to get in before the game starts. Corey, do you want to say who you have winning the Super Bowl or going to the Super Bowl and then winning it, or do you want me to go? I'm, I'm going to make it simple for everybody. I'm, right. I'm, I, you know, when you
2: push back against the crowd, as much as I would love to say my Miami Dolphins are going to the Super Bowl, I'm just going to be realistic, and I will stick with my wrestling analogy. To be the man, you have to beat the man, and the man is Kansas City right now. So until someone knocks the Chiefs off of that hill, I'm going back with the Kansas City Chiefs. And who are they beating in the Super Bowl? I'm going to go with a Super Bowl rematch with the Philadelphia Eagles because the Eagles were flying high with Jalen Hurts, and now he's— securing the bag and he's doing what he needs to do in the offseason to get the Eagles back to the Super Bowl. But
3: yeah, I think we'll have all a rematch. Right. Well, everyone 694-1055 get on the Sound Mobile app cuz get ready cuz I know y'all going to have some comments. Out of the AFC, the New York Jets. <laughs> <laughs> it all is going to work. Aaron Rodgers, best defense in the league. You bring Dalvin Cook out there now. (laughs) The New York Jets are going to the Super Bowl. Hard knocks. That's right. Out of the NFC, the Dallas Cowboys. It is their time. All right. The Eagles lost both their coordinators. They lose a lot of defensive starters. I don't even know who their running back is. But the Cowboys, they got the defensive player of the year. They're bringing Brandon Cooks in. Ezekiel Elliott's gone. That's Tony Pollard's show. The Dallas Cowboys are going to meet the Jets in the Super Bowl, but unfortunately, they will not win, and Aaron Rodgers will hoist another Lombardi trophy this season. Okay, so
2: you have the Cowboys, America's team, yes, finding a way to finally make it back to the Super Bowl.
3: Look, man, they, they went, uh, what, 12-5 and five last year. They were really good this year, and I think this year they're going to be even better. They didn't really lose anyone that was a big producer for them. The Eagles, I'm just expecting some regression. You got new coordinators, right? The, the offense is a little different, especially from the running back spot. You're a run-heavy team. Can Jalen Hurts really do it all again? I don't know but i don't even think aaron rodgers has to have like that great of a year for the jets to be good because their defense is so stout that's just who i'm rocking with man i know it's not it's no easy feat to take down the chiefs it's no easy feat to take down the 49ers who a lot of people have but jets cowboys that's who I, that's who i'm sticking with okay so you go from
2: 200 to 1 odds one year ago without Aaron Rodgers in the Jets mm-hmm. to go into 16 to 1 with Aaron Rodgers as QB1 for the Jets. Yep. And despite all of the bright lights of New York, despite all of the hype that's been around, Hard Knocks comes to the door and says, Look, you're going to be featured. It's a no brainer. You have Aaron Rodgers, you have Quentin Williams, you've got some sauce on your team you have some excitement on your team and you're going to go with the jets making it to the super bowl and having a chance to add that
3: lombardi trophy yeah that's right man and i i don't know why they won't be able to you know there's what reason would they not make it what what deficiency does that team have they don't really have any. And we've seen teams kind of get put together in a quick fashion and have success. Look at the Rams. Immediately they go, they get Matt Stafford. They immediately win a Super Bowl. Now, I am not, I don't really know what happens after all that, right? That hangover. And now are the Rams maybe even going to be one of the worst teams in the league? I don't know. But this year, I think, is the year that it has to work. You bring Dalvin Cook in. I mean... It's just a recipe for success. And I think the Cowboys, they're due. That team is too good. i, I they, They're two of the best teams, and I just feel like you can't – Mahomes and the Chiefs, like it can't go on forever, right? It can't go on forever. The Eagles, they've they got to take a step back. The Cowboys are just about as good as they were last year. They lost a really tough game to the Niners. The Niners could have beat them if they had a quarterback to play. Let's go back and, and look at what, what you say here about the Jets.
2: So if Aaron Rodgers at any point in time gets hurt, you, you turn to Zach Wilson. How did that experiment work for the Jets?
3: Well, yeah, but I mean, that's saying You Patrick Mahomes, if he gets hurt, done. The Chiefs are. Jalen Hurts, if he gets hurt, done. I would argue that if all of these teams rolled with their backup quarterback, the teams that I picked would have a lot more success. I think the Cowboys would have a lot
2: more success. Trey Lance. With Trey Lance uh, backing up Dak Prescott and, and becoming familiar with what's going on. But I, I, I'm just not really the, – the Cowboys are a team that, that are America's team, and a lot of people want to see the Cowboys, including Jerry Jones, make it back to the Super Bowl before – he retires or resigns or rolls over whatever is the case for Dallas and the Jets the, again, historically those are that's great on paper, matchup wise. That's great on paper yes. but realistically Dallas having to try to find a way to to make it back to the top.
3: How often do we ha- really have a Super Bowl rematch, Corey? I can't I don't have like the stats in front of me. I'm sure it's happened before. It doesn't happen that often at all. In back-to-back years, you just don't see Super Bowl rematches
2: happen very rarely at all. Uh, I I know that you have teams that make it back to the Super Bowl, but you just don't you don't see it happen too much at all. Yeah. And I, I I know traditionally it's going to be so hard for it to happen in in this in this year because so much has to go right for your organization. But Nick, when when you do have someone like Aaron Rodgers that, that can get after it. You you have the Packers and the and the Patriots, the Cowboys and the Bills, the Steelers and the Cowboys, the Raiders and the Vikings, the Chiefs and the Vikings that have all had an opportunity for a rematch. It it just it doesn't happen that often. The Seahawks and Broncos, it, it's something that you yep. don't see a lot of. But the Cowboys America's team, that that will That's definitely right. make a lot of people happy that I do know, and it'll make a lot of the talking heads on TV extremely cool. happy too. Now, if you're saying it's going to be the Jets and the Cowboys yep. that are going to make it to the Super Bowl, yes, that
3: means that MVP has to go to Aaron Rodgers or Dak Prescott? Not necessarily. Not necessarily, because I think these are two teams that can rely a lot on their team's run game and their defense. So I don't think Aaron Rodgers is throwing for over five thousand yards, and you know I don't think Dak Prescott is having this crazy forty touchdown season. You know the Chiefs, they they live and die by Mahomes, right? He's a top two quarterback in NFL history, and that team. Flows the way he flows. I, if I had to pick an MVP. Now, the NFL is a little different than the NBA when they do MVP. There's not really MVP fatigue. Like, they'll give a guy five MVPs in a, in a row, I feel like, if they <laughs> want to. And if he's deserving of it. You know, they didn't want to give Jokic his third, even though I think we can all agree he did deserve it over Embiid. But that's that's a different point. My MVP I'm going to go with Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts. Because they don't have a running back, so he's going to – I mean, he already got a lot of rushing touchdowns last year. I mean, if he can have like 800 rushing yards and 10 rushing touchdowns and good passing stats with that, though, into Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown, and if they can have a good year, give me Jalen Hurts as my MVP. Jalen Hurts is one that has an opportunity to really –
2: again. I say the Eagles going back to the Super Bowl, and it's going to be because of Jalen Hurts and his performances, but just to me, he could have edged out Mahomes a year ago for that most valuable player, and in actuality, I, I would have liked to seen Hurts win it, but you, you go with the flavor of the month, you drink the the Chiefs Kool-Aid, and, and you go ahead and you give it to The wizard that is Patrick Mahomes can't take anything away from his success as an NFL world champion quarterback. Jalen Hurts is that guy that even though you think the Jets and the Cowboys are going to make it. So that means you feel that Philly is going to lose to the Cowboys in in the NFC championship.
3: Um. If they meet there, I don't know. I don't. I don't know who that NFC Championship game is going to be. That comes down to like what the seeding is, because you know, the, I think Dallas and Philadelphia could potentially meet in the divisional round or something. But I think the Eagles are going to be good. They're going to win over 11 games. But I think Jalen Hurts is going to have a lot more beefier numbers than he did last year. Uh, you know, this year in the app user trey lance lol i thought you two were gonna say cooper rush cooper rush the dallas cowboys started last season four and one with cooper rush as their quarterback that's how you know that that that's a that's a super bowl caliber team and then you add Dak prescott he's gonna be good but i do think trey lance is that official backup now you don't just throw around a fourth round pick to get a quarterback and not have him as your number two.
2: Oh, jerry jones went he, he went there
3: by himself that's
2: right he by himself, my money, my money is on Jerry Jones's money yeah. for to bring him in as the number two. Whether yeah. you want to or not, as the head coach, Trey Lance
3: is going to be that guy. Yeah, there was no adult supervision when that trade was made. Zero. Uh, another user in the app, his Super Bowl pick is the Steelers over the Eagles. I know the Steelers are getting getting a lot of love as a sleeper type pick. They've got one of the best defenses in the league, but. I just can't see Kenny Pickett winning a Super Bowl this year, right? That seems early Najee Harris did not have a good year last year. George Pickens, is he a good wide receiver or is he just highlight film? No, no, no. Know. He he he's a solid wide receiver that's going
2: to give you highlight material. George Pickens is the real deal. I think that he's he's on the uh, on the precipice of being a Pro Bowler. That's how good George Pickens is. And how much Athleticism and athletic ability, he does. His catch radius is unbelievable, undeniable. You're right about the highlight for George Pickens. And I, I know when we come back from the break, we'll go ahead and break down every division, every division from first to worst, yep. every division in the NFL. You've ultimately given your Super Bowl winner and your Super Bowl competitors. I've given mine Super Bowl rematch, something that doesn't happen that often in the NFL. But we will see here moving forward because Buffalo Bills, Joe Burrow, they've been high on a lot of people's list as far as making it to the Super Bowl. I think people are sleeping on my guy Lamar a little bit too. Baltimore is going to have something to say so in that division. Also, we'll break down division by division coming up next here on The Final Drive on WNSP 105.5.
4: Hello, this is artist Daniel A. Moore. You are listening to WNSP
5: Sports Radio.
3: back to the final drive and guys we're previewing the nfl season but we've also been previewing that alabama texas game and if you don't have any plans on where you want to watch that come on down to the outsider at downtown mobile and watch it with us you can get a free t-shirt you'll have the opportunity to win an alabama jersey i think it might be a jerry judy jersey that throwback that you can enter to win iron bowl tickets It's going to be a good time. They got the insider right next door, that food court. You can eat whatever you want. They're going to have some drink specials, so you're not going to want to miss that. Corey, let's break it down division by division. Start with the AFC East. AFC East,
2: one of those divisions in which you said the New York Jets will ultimately make it to the Super Bowl. You have the Jets, the Patriots, the Dolphins, and the Bills in the AFC East. And I will go and say that the Miami Dolphins are going to win the AFC East, followed by the Buffalo Bills, then the Jets, and then the Patriots in the AFC East. Now, we may have a caller on the line that has a different in the opinion, but caller, welcome to the final drive
1: we go Corey. hey so a little bit about the nfl here so dolphins are not going to win the division i hate to break it to you <laughs> um so we, we will end up having the san francisco and cincinnati in the
2: super bowl what you think look I, that's not bad prediction either joe burrow wanted to be back uh I, you can't go wrong with with the 49ers they get the bag and nick bosa so I think the 49ers have reason to be hungry, too. They had an easy chance to beat to the Super Bowl if they have a quarterback that's healthy one year ago. So oh, not God, a bad God, he's
1: prediction. Coming back, baby. They're going to swing it around. Hey, and let's, let's do this. Hey, how about this? You're listen to the Dan Patrick show, right?
2: Yeah. Sure.
1: So, hey, so, Nick, so let's start doing this. Let's have a game of the week, and let's get callers to uh, to call in, and we predict. And it's pie to the face,
3: baby. What'd you say? Pie to the face, Alabama, Texas. Pie to the face. I three. Texas plus three. Pie to the face. Pie to the face, and the only person who could ever possibly get a pie to the face and it be verified would be myself, right? Uh, hey man, yeah, I makes mean, sense. You're the one making the bet. <laughs> I just don't see where I win in that. What, what do you think of my Super Bowl prediction? The Jets and the Cowboys. I don't. The Jets and the Cowboys. Yeah.
1: I just I hope you hope you got a second
2: job if you bet your paycheck. I I told Nick I I looked through the glass like okay, yeah that that's definitely why why not uh, why not
3: explain to me how the Jets and Cowboys are gonna get there. The Jets and the Cowboys both have elite defenses. They also both have elite offenses, where they don't have to rely on their quarterback to, you know, throw for 350 yards and four touchdowns a game. They don't need that.
1: Okay, so who? I mean, so if you
3: don't have, so
1: you got a quarterback who led the NFL in interceptions, minus playing six games less than
3: everybody else. Tell me how they get to the Super Bowl. By by running it through Tony Pollard. You got one back. <laughs> hey, no, you don't. You ain't heard about Deuce Vaughn, man? I have. You got uh, Brandon Cooks rookie, out right? there, man? Yeah. Come on. That Cowboys team is our nice. Hey, running back big
1: bucks, so we don't depend on them to win games, baby.
3: Hey, they they won 12 games last year, man. And they didn't, haven't yeah, gotten any they worse. The playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> they lost to the Niners in a tough, tough mm. game. Mm. They lost to the Niners in a seventh-round third-string quarterback. Mmm. Tough. Hey, Tom Brady was drafted late too, man. I ain't gonna hold that against him.
2: So, so what Nick is saying essentially is that he's he's riding with America's team to make it to the Super Bowl. He's going with the hard knocks life with the Jets. He doesn't think the lights are too bright. I, I don't. I well, think the, the Jets, Cowboys
1: will never win the Super Bowl as long as J- uh, Jerry Jones is the owner. And how do you pick Mike McCarthy out of all the coaches you
3: can get? You pick Mike McCarthy. <laughs> he won a Super Bowl and look it's all about the storyline it's about the storyline you telling me
1: free dinner he won because man, was
3: the play caller you're telling me that the big wigs at the NFL don't want to see Aaron Rodgers versus Mike McCarthy come on man the storyline <laughs> is there hey, there's only so many games you can there's only so many games you can throw <laughs>
2: So are you saying the NFL would be scripted if the Cowboys and the Jets make it to the Super Bowl? If the Cowboys, if the, I'll, I'll, Nick, I'll tell you this. If the Cowboys and Jets get to the Super
1: Bowl, record this. I will write off, I will, I will send, I will sign over to you and on in my name. I have two cars, a house, three and a bank account. You can have it all if they make it.
3: And you can record this. You can send this back to me, and I'll sign it over to you. <laughs> all right, man. I'm looking forward to it, man. Nick say, he, uh, he'll take I'll do you up the pie. On pie I'll do the pie, and you can do that. And I think we're even. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, you're going to get a whipped cream pie. You can get all of it. I think yeah, That's okay. Why not? He, 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 uh, you millennials that can get that uh, now. Uh, all right. Well, hey, appreciate the call, man. We got to get to these uh, breakdowns, all right? Man, have a good one. All right, man. I-, I will say now we'll go to the AFC North. Right. Bengals, Browns,
2: Steelers, and Ravens, one of the toughest divisions. I think the Ravens and, and the Baltimore Ravens and Lamar Jackson are going to step up to the plate, do what they need to do for Coach Harbaugh, followed by Joe Burrow coming in second. The Steelers are going to come in third, and the
3: Browns are going to come in last. That's a t- it's tough man cuz the Browns are good. I mean yeah, Deshaun Watson, there's a reason he was, at, you know, for however long of a period, was the highest paid quarterback in the NFL. The Steelers, man, they're they're sneaky good. That's going to be one of those where everyone has at least eight wins or something like that. Yeah, but tough tough division. AFC
2: South is one where you have the
3: Titans, Colts, Jaguars and Texans.
2: That's Jacksonville. They're going to win, f- you know, 13 games. Yeah, I see the Titans finishing second. The Colts finishing third, and the Texans finishing last in that. I I want D'Amico Ryans to win, but I just don't think year one is going to be able to do it if you're able to get to four or five. No, he's going to continue to build. AFC West, Denver Broncos, Kansas City Chiefs, Las Vegas Raiders, Los Angeles Chargers.
3: Chiefs on top, top. no-brainer. Chargers second. Yep. Broncos sneaky third and then Raiders dead last
2: Raiders third Broncos fourth that's where okay. I disagree buying with you there
3: Pay- what Peyton's selling all right let's go hop over to the NFC East NFC East Cowboys Giants Eagles Commanders I'm gonna go Eagles
2: Cowboys Giants Commanders and just flip Eagles and Cowboys for me NFC North Chicago Bears Detroit Lions Green Bay Packers and Minnesota Vikings that's one in which I, I like Jordan Jordan Love is going to get a lot of love, but you look at the Detroit Lions. I like the Detroit Lions to go
3: ahead and find a way to finally make some noise under Coach Campbell. Lions? A lot of hype over there. I'm not buying into it. Minnesota, they won 13 games last year for a reason. They won 11 games by, what, one score or less or something like that. Kirk Cousins, he's good. He's clutch. He's going to have a really good year. I got the Vikings on top, Packers behind them, Lions at three, Bears at four. I think that's another one where they're all like your, your last seed has seven wins.
2: Lions, Vikings, Packers, and Bears. NFC South, I have the Saints, followed by the Falcons, followed by the Buccaneers, Panthers finishing last.
3: NFC West. I, I got the hang on. I got my laptop. No, Falcons. I'm not gonna let you talk Atlanta about your Falcons. Falcons. That's why I was going that's why I was wins. going to the next division. They're gonna be good. The Saints, they could I think they could also probably win ten. The Falcons and the Saints have the easiest schedules and they're the two most Uh, competent teams in that division. I think the Panthers are going to be really, really bad. I'm talking three wins. That line's not going to help him. Hey, shout out to Bozeman. He's the only guy that might be protecting my guy, uh, Bryce Young, out there, but it's going to be tough for him. Buccaneers, I don't think they're going to be that bad. I say that, they'll win six games.
2: They'll finish at the bottom of that division for sure. NFC West, you have the Rams, Cardinals, 49ers, and Seahawks. I like the 49ers, followed by the Rams, then the Seahawks, and the Cardinals
3: finishing last in the NFC West. I'm going to go Niners number one, a big number one. I think they're the only team that's going to come out of there. I think behind them is Seattle. And I think the Rams, halfway through the year, they might decide, hey, let's just tank and try and get that USC kid to come be out here and take Stafford's spot. It'll be fun
2: to see how it unwinds and ultimately Nick you have the Jets and the Cowboys in the Super Bowl and who do you have winning it all? J-E-T-S. Jets,
3: Jets, Jets.
2: And of course I'm going with the Chiefs taking on the Eagles in a rematch of last year's Super Bowl and there you have it. Coming up next here on the final drive Jamie Sheriff defensive lineman for the South Alabama Jaguars joins us here on the final drive.
5: This is Will Herring, a member of the Auburn family. When I'm in Mobile, I listen to WNSP 105.5.
2: Welcome back to the Final Drive. Corey LeBounty, along with Nick Wiggins, joined now by Jamie Sheriff, defensive lineman, plays a little defensive end at the bandit position for the South Alabama Jaguars. They're getting ready to take southeastern Louisiana on this coming Saturday at 4 o'clock p.m. in the Jaguars opener at Hancock-Whitney Stadium. Jamie, good afternoon and thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. It's an honor to
6: be here,
2: man. Talk about the progression that we're going to see out of the Jaguars on Saturday. We know that Coach Womack talked about the nasty taste that was left in you guys' mouth leaving New Orleans on Saturday, and how you guys are going to bounce back this Saturday. Uh,
6: Yeah, we we know we left uh, a lot of things on the table this past uh, Saturday. So this weekend, we're just coming out – Focus on our job. dude. get get back to what we do best. Be swarm D and just get out the quarterback and just uh, be better than we were last week.
3: Coach Womack, who we spoke to yesterday, he said that you guys didn't really get beat schematically. Y'all pretty much had their number in that standpoint. Would you mirror those sentiments?
6: Yeah, I don't. I don't think it was really anything that Tudani did. That um. Was special. I think it was, it was more so on, on on our side of the ball. We have to um, just do our job, basically. You know, we uh, when Coach gets called, we have to um, – he put us in the right position. We just have to go out there and execute.
2: Yeah, I think that that's going to be critical as far as from an execution standpoint for you guys. Talk about the excitement about opening up at home, the fans, the Jays up the blue that is going to be in the crowds and the excitement that you get playing in your first true home game of 2023?
6: Uh, yeah, it's going it's to be exciting to go out there and just uh, perform well for our fans. You know, um, I know they're pretty excited based on what we did last year. So we're just coming out and trying to have a better season than we had and just be able to bring bring uh, attempts at home to them, just uh, bring a, a winning um a win the culture here in South Alabama.
3: Even though it was a really tough loss last week in New Orleans to Tulane, you still came away with seven tackles and a forced fumble. What is something that you were really pleased with about your game and your performance and what's something that you're really looking forward to improving on this week?
6: Uh, I was pleased with um, the effort I gave. You no, know, I was uh, I was running to the plant, to the ball a lot. I was uh, very active in the run game and some areas that I try to improve on is, is ways to affect the quarterback um, more to so just be able to get his face a lot, get some hits on him, and just rattle him a little bit and, and make him uncomfortable back there.
2: Jamie Sheriff, our guest this afternoon on the final drive. He's a bandit defensive end for the South Alabama Jaguars as they get ready to take on Southeastern Louisiana at 4 o'clock p.m. And I know, Jamie, the the recognition and the growth of south alabama jaguar football you mentioned what your team goals are still intact getting ready to again battle another non-conference opponent but going into this season knowing the expectations for yourself are there any personal goals that you have of course we know the team goal is to to be sunbelt conference champions for the first time ever but personally what are your personal goals
6: uh, my personal goals would be the number one leading uh, sack, sack leader in, in the Sunbelt Conference this year. And just be just able to lead the team in, in sacks and uh, try to lead in tackles as well. I want to be able to be as uh, productive as possible, uh, whether it's getting TFLs in the backfield, getting sacks, getting PBUs, or force fumbles. I want to just be able to help my team in any way possible that I can.
3: We saw yesterday Nick Bosa, defensive end, getting the highest-paid contract in NFL history. What NFL players or other maybe past college players do you model your game after?
6: Uh, I say I model it's it's two guys that I compare myself to as far as um, the first one I say Khalil Mack and um, Brendan Graham because you know those guys are um, they're not the fastest guys. But they they get the job done efficiently. They 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 can pass rush, stop the run, and they can. They I believe that there are true defense ends that can. They can still drop as well because I drop. So seeing those guys how they perform in the NFL, is those are really some guys that I really model my game out there.
2: Well, I tell you, modeling your game after one of your hobbies, which is being a master at video games on that PlayStation, talk to us and let our listeners know, a lot of our listeners love the video game consoles, and of course, with the production of EA Sports coming back with NCAA football next year, the excitement, and what games did you love to play in your spare time?
6: Uh, the games I love to play in my spare time, the, the game that I give most right now is currently, uh, Call of Duty. I love to play, um, Warzone. I play with my teammates. We play all the time. Um, so when, when we got free time as far as done, watching film or doing schoolwork, we'll probably get on the game and play, um, play a little Call of Duty and, and Madden as well. I do. I, I don't think nobody on the team can be Madden on a consistent basis. You know, I think, I think I'm the best player on the team and, um, uh, you will hear like heated around locker room about who is really the best, but truly and honestly, I think it's me. And two K came out today, so um, yeah. I probably will be getting it soon. But I'm not in a rush right now because I'm gonna let them get out a little buzz and kinks out of it first. and With That's the right. first update, so I'm a, not. I'm, I want to be prepared when I get it and be ready to go all into it.
3: That's right. Hey, look, when that EA Sports college football video game comes out next year, you're gonna be playing that Dynasty mode and be playing as a. Uh, Coach Womack, you gonna what do you think your overall is gonna be? Uh, my overall,
6: I, uh, my overall, I give it a solid eighty-three. <laughs> I love it. I love that's the solid. I love the solid numbers
3: there. And that's with, humble
6: with, with with the name last
2: name like sheriff. You have to play defense. You have to be able to lock people up with the last name like sheriff. I, I think that that in and of itself is nil worthy it, it, because when you look at Playing defense, having the sheriff's department, and and knowing that you love to lock up the offensive opponents as you help your teammates fly to the ball. What 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 you think about the sheriff's department showing you a little nil love there? Oh, uh,
6: that would be that be truly a blessing, man. <laughs> I mean, uh, I'm still waiting for the opportunity. I, I really want it, you know, it, to go out there. Um, hearing there's a new sheriff in town, a lot. I've been hearing that since I really high school since so I've been playing ball. Like if you go look at my old highlights, I put on there that it's a new sheriff in town as a cover of my highlights. So it's it's something that, that um a brand name that I can most definitely use and hopefully they, they can contact me someday about getting a uh little
3: deal going. Look, man, you didn't really allow anyone on two lane to get any really big uh, you know, average yards per carry. So maybe you can say no speeding, right?
2: Yes, that's that's a good one. Absolutely. Jamie Sheriff, our guest here on the final drive, Bandit defensive end for Kane Womack and his South Alabama Jaguars as they play and host Southeastern Louisiana this Saturday at 4 o'clock p.m. at Hancock-Whitney Stadium. How long have you been playing the game of football? Sometimes you'll come across football players that have been playing since they're the age of four, sometimes not until middle school or high school. How long have you been around this game?
6: Uh, I've been playing football since the age. I was the age of six. My father, he was the coach of my little league team, so – He's the one that really got me going. So I've been playing balls for a long time now. I've been playing so I've been growing up. And it's been really fun to me.
2: Now, I know there's nothing like being from <coughs> Mississippi and Alabama along here on the Gulf Coast. I know you love the seafood here. Fried fish is your favorite food. Now, do you do any fishing of your own to to catch that fish?
6: Oh, yeah. Fishing, fishing is most definitely my uh, my favorite hobby to do. You know, I um, I go sometimes. I go to guys. We go we'll go to the beach and fish out on shore, and we're. um, But primarily, I'm a I'm a freshwater type of guy. Fish. I love to um, catch bluegill and go fish for bass. So yeah. So anytime that I get time in the off season, I go fishing as many times as possible because I think it's very relaxing to me, and it it just it comes to mind. until you have to have a lot of patience when you go fishing.
3: You taking any of your teammates out there with you?
6: yeah, uh, they actually take me, like Carter, Bradley, K. Will, we'll go out, um, Like we'll go down to Gulf Shore, the Dolphin Island, we'll go out and try to catch some trout or some redfish.
2: Absolutely love the team, camaraderie and the binding with so many players coming back for this 2023 squad, and having a chance to right that ship against Southeastern Louisiana before you guys definitely jump into bigger waters once again the following week. But I know it's one week at a time, Southeastern Louisiana, the opponent, the sheriff, is going to be locking everyone up on the football field that has on the green and gold of southeastern Louisiana on Saturday. Jamie, we can't thank you enough for taking time and letting us get in a little insight and learn more about Jamie Sheriff, the defensive end, starting bandit for the South Alabama Jaguars. Yes, sir. Thank you.
6: Thanks for having me. It's been been a pleasure.
3: Hey man, what's a message that you got for uh, the South Alabama fans who were a little disappointed by last week, and that you want to come out for that home opener? Uh,
6: it's it's, it's gonna be a much better performance for sure. You know, as as the sheriff that I am, uh, I will make sure there's no trespassing this time. There you go. Because uh, we did, <laughs> we did allow some last week, but we're going to come out and just adjust and, and be better. We're just going to um play fast and have fun out there.
2: Jamie Sheriff will be looking for you on Saturday on the football field, holding it down and making sure no speeding and locking the offense up of the Lions. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Jamie Sheriff joining us this afternoon here on the final drive on WNSP 105.5. Hi, right, this is Saran Stacy. You're listening to WNSP 105.5. Welcome back to the final drive on WNSP 105.5. I want to thank Jamie Sheriff for joining us this afternoon on the final drive. Of course, you know, having a last name like Sheriff and playing defense, Nick. You mentioned some of the possibilities for him going and getting an NIL deal or no speeding allowed on the field. I just want to continue to see him be successful and, and to uh, reach all of his personal and team goals this year for the Red, White, and Blue.
3: Yeah, without question, man. I mean, he was a really nice guy, and I think they're going to have a pretty good game this weekend. Yeah, they're going to bounce back the same way that
2: Nick Saban bounced back in his weekly press conference on yesterday you don't see coach saban apologizing to media members and i'll be honest with you i have never Please. seen him address a media member by their name <laughs> yeah. and uh, and apologize we mentioned earlier tim brando we had him on paul feinbaum said look coach Sabian's bullying the media by not releasing depth charts and by some of his Answers to the questions that are asked of him. Just reporters doing their job on a day-to-day basis. And referencing the Coke bottle this weekend, going from the Coke bottle question and it not being a crystal ball to what he was apologizing for to the reporter. So
3: if you guys don't remember, we'll go ahead and play that question back right now. And you can decide if it's worthy of an apology or not.
7: I think tonight's you know positive performance will help moving forward to next week and beyond. And who is that? Jalen Milrow. Jalen Milrow. Positive performance. How that will help him build? So you're asking me to speculate, and I ask answer a hypothetical question about how some guy's going to perform in the future. I don't really know. I mean, I love him. I think he's doing well. Uh, I know he's working hard to try to improve. He's a good competitor. He'll do everything he can to play his best. But I don't I don't have... This is a Coke bottle. It's not a crystal ball. How do you think of play?
3: So, I mean, a little uh, antagonistic there. <laughs> I mean, is that just who Nick Saban is, right? Is he just going to do that no matter what? I mean, we. I feel like... You, me especially, I got a little bit of that vibe at SEC media days. I just think that's who he is, but... So that clip went viral, right? They talked about it on, you know, all the college football shows. And then it comes out today, the official apology.
7: So um, in Austin, uh, look, you know, you didn't ask a bad question the other night. I just didn't answer it very well. And, um, you know, when a guy plays well in a game at any position – It should help his confidence and it should help him perform better in the future. But I do think that every player, you know, has to understand that just because I played well, I still want to try to improve the few things that I could have done better. And I think if a a, a person keeps that mindset, then they're always improving, right, because you're never satisfied uh, and you're always trying to do better. Uh, and you don't let complacency creep creep into your game. And that certainly hasn't happened with Jalen. So, um, you know, hopefully the confidence that he gained in this game will certainly help him to continue to play, you know, better and better in the future. That's what we hope for as coaches. That's what, what we try to encourage him to do. So, uh, and that should have been my answer the other night.
4: Nick.
2: Man, a rare apology. <laughs> that is rare. To Austin Hannon. Austin Hannon of Bama Central in mentioning the Coke bottle versus crystal ball question, just asking Ooh. it about Jalen Milrow. That's who, all he wanted to know do you about. Think,
3: who do you think made Nick Saban apologize? Or do you think he was like, ah, you know what? Next time I hop up on that podium, I'm going to say something because it's been really eating me up how I handled that. Or do you think some of his camp was like, hey, man, like he, he, they're already saying you're bullying the media. You can't just say that to a." Uh, not that bad of a question. <laughs> it's not like they asked what your pregame hype playlist was. I'm ready for Nick Saban to come out and say, Hey, Nick Wiggins, if you're out there and you're listening, I actually was listening to a little music before the game tonight. You know, where's that at? <laughs> hey, look, Nick, that, that's wishful thinking.
2: That That's probably not in my Coke crystal ball forecast for you and, and Nick Saban apologizing yeah. to you for those questions that were asked at SEC Media Day. But it really was a solid question, just wanting to know about the progress and the confidence boost that Milrow endured at quarterback. And and, and you just do your job. That That's all you're doing when you're sitting there asking questions because if you don't ask them enough questions, oh, you guys don't have any questions for me? Oh, y'all taking it easy on me today. Okay. Uh, and if you ask the wrong question, you're going to get that one rant or that one answer that's going to make you go viral. So you definitely have to 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 be careful in regards to how he responds to you and, and what his answer is. But I did not think that Coach Saban was going to apologize. I, I, I thought he was going right? to keep it crystal clear with the Coke bottle reference, yeah, okay. and that's where we were going to go on that.
3: Yeah, because it wasn't – It's nice that he did that. It's nice to see, but did he really need to do it? I don't think so. I don't necessarily think that that guy went home and was, like, upset. I think maybe he was like, man, I generated the most viral clip out of the conference today. Or at least that's the Nick Wiggins perspective of things.
2: Nothing wrong with
3: the Nick (laughs) Wiggins perspective.
2: (laughs) There is a bright side. Lindsey Crosby will give us the bright side of what's going on in Major League Baseball. The Atlanta Braves coming down the stretch here, getting ready for October. We'll catch up with Lindsey Crosby next here on the final drive.
0: The Sound of Mobile presents... For the win! The Final Drive. Oh, no, they didn't. Oh, my gracious. Yeah. How about that? With Corey Labounty and Nick Wiggins. For the win! Oh, live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. Oh, oh,
2: Welcome to hour number two of the final drive on WNSP 105.5. Corey Labonte, along with Nick Wiggins, joining you on this Thursday afternoon. It's NFL opening Thursday evening, and we've already had a great first hour in which Nick Wiggins predicts the Cowboys and the Jets will be playing one another in the Super Bowl. Of course, I picked the Chiefs and against a rematch that they're going to have against the eagles of course also coming up major league baseball nick wiggins is always on deck and our next guest does a phenomenal job host of locked on farm and at braves today lindsey crosby joins us this afternoon lindsey how's it going
4: Things are going great, Corey, uh, and I, I feel bad because I had the exact same Super Bowl prediction you do. I've got Chief Eagles as well, and I don't want it to sound like I'm just guessing too because safe. I'm the baseball guy. That's who I thought,
3: too. Y'all are too safe. Y'all are playing it way too safe. Hey, just playing it smart, Lindsay <laughs> Telling we're
2: just playing it smart by the numbers. That's definitely where we're going, and I know baseball is a huge analytics game, and, and for the Atlanta Braves. Taking three out of four against the Los Angeles Dodgers was great, but turning around now and are on a three game losing streak, what's going on in Atlanta?
4: There's a couple of things to look at here. The first one is it's your classic kind of let-down trap series, right? You you had a big long road trip, at the end of it, you faced off with the big, bad Los Angeles Dodgers, and you handled business. You won three out of four. You get a day off, you come home, everybody got a chance to kind of rest and relax. And the the St. Louis Cardinals came in hot. So I think part of it's that, and part of it's just a little bit of bad luck. You know, you you the Braves' offense has scored plenty. You just saw the pitching staff give up a little bit too much as far as home runs are concerned, and we've seen those kind of outings from these pitchers. We just haven't seen a lot of them back to back like that. They haven't lost four games in a row since June. So tonight's the big decider as to what happens.
2: I agree with that. The Houston Astros are playing fairly great baseball also you step up to the plate and three consecutive home runs is what we're looking at for the Houston Astros talk about the power at the plate for Houston
4: yeah it's something where Jose Altuve being back at full strength uh, has done a lot for this team and some interesting scenarios with playing certain guys. Jasmine Cormick should probably play some more. Uh, Yanye Diaz is a guy that is on the bench a lot. They rotate him through. But when you have a lineup like this, Michael Brantley's back in the lineup now. You still have Jordan Alvarez. Uh, this is a team that can take just about anybody deep. And when Alcube is hot, like he was hitting three consecutive home runs, he's one of the best players in baseball. And, like, The Astros have shown the Texas Rangers, the Seattle Mariners, this isn't a 120-game season. This isn't a 110-game season. It's 162. We have the veteran leadership that you guys haven't had. We have the depth that you guys haven't had. And we're coming for first place while the Rangers are flipping farther and farther behind.
2: Andrew McCutcheon has a season-ending injury for the Pittsburgh Pirates partial Achilles tear anytime you're dealing with the Achilles or the MCL or the ACL it always makes that rehab a little bit tougher of course Pittsburgh coming in and playing Atlanta in a long series that's going to be critical for the Braves to turn the corner
4: yeah and and on the McCutcheon note. He's already said it's uh, it's not going to end his career. He's going to come back. He is a free agent. We'll see where he goes. But the big reason I want him to come back, he's got 299 career home runs. You want to see him hit that milestone before he leaves. But for the Braves, it's going to be getting the pitching back on track, and it's going to have to be some of your other guys. Max Fried goes tonight. Spencer Strider went last night. So you're using guys outside of your aces in that long series. You need them to not only pitch well, but to go deeper in games because Atlanta has a doubleheader against Philadelphia next week. So uh, no matter what happens tonight, the important thing is to flush this Cardinals series, whether it's a sweep or just a 2-1 series loss. Focus on the team in front of you and don't look ahead at the, at the Phillies because They're behind you in the division and they're still trying to chase you. You have not clinched yet. So focus, handle your business this weekend. It's going to be the the challenge for the
2: Braves. 90 wins for Atlanta, 90 and 48. And you mentioned the Philadelphia Phillies being in second place in the NL East. The Reds are that team to be right in the middle of the NL Central Division. Five and a half games back. The Brewers, the Cubs, the Reds, Five-and-a-half games separates first from third there and wild-card potential.
4: And each team has kind of done it a different way, right? The Brewers have done it on the strength that they're starting pitching in their bullpen. So- the Reds have done it on the strength of all of these young players, these young position players. They've caught up, like an De La Cruz, like a Matt McClain, like a Christian Cardancio Strand. And then the Cubs have done it through the addition of some veterans, uh, Cody Bellinger, a Nancy Swanson. So it's it's going to be fun to watch. The issue that these teams have is it's three good teams, and probably three teams that have a good case to make the postseason but because the second place teams in the west and the east have been so good you might get one wild card spot uh, there in the central and so who's going to be left out it kind of comes down to how well can you play down the stretch and if you're in the NL central the postseason's kind of already started here because you really can't afford to lose that much from now through the end of september
2: We were mentioning Josh Donaldson being cut by the Yankees, being picked up by the Brewers. Will he be essential in them making this postseason push and winning the division?
4: is eligible for the postseason. Uh, He's been in Triple-A, hit his first home run just the other day, and I think that they can probably hold the lead in the division if they don't call him up right away, but it feels like if they want to do anything in the postseason, if they actually want to get past the first round, he's going to be an essential component, not only because he can give them good defense, but because of the offensive potential that Josh Donaldson still has. Tons of power, obviously not a great year this year, but even in New York, a lot of his hits that he hit were extra base hits or home runs, and uh, Milwaukee has not gotten a lot of power production out of third base, and have not gotten as much power production in general as they thought they would, so they might be able to make postseason without him, but they're definitely not going to advance very far if they don't have him at third base, and if he's not hitting to the caliber of the Josh Donaldson that we all knew and loved when he was uh, in Atlanta for a year, or even when he was in Auburn playing at playing third
2: base. Lindsey Crosby joining us this afternoon on the Final Drive. Lindsey, if people want to catch up with all your Atlanta Braves coverage and your minor league baseball coverage, how can people reach out and follow you?
4: On Twitter at Crosby Baseball. That is the hub of everything. The Minor League Baseball, Walkman MLB Prospects, is the podcast. College Baseball, offerdaily.com, and the Atlanta Braves coverage, Bravestoday.com. And until like through tomorrow night, you can actually vote in the Baseball Writers Association of America Awards. I've been nominated for both Best Podcast and both and best minor league coverage. I'd be honored to have your vote. I've pinned that tweet on my profile on Twitter at Crosby Baseball.
2: Thank you so much. You definitely have our votes here on the final drive, and we'll continue to promote that as well for you, and we wish you the best of luck and look forward to catching up with you next week to see if the Atlanta Braves can get back on that winning track. Appreciate it, Corey. Thank you. Lindsey Crosby joining us this afternoon, and Nick, before we talk to Lindsey, In the break, we were talking about Nick Saban and how he apologized to a media member. Mm -hmm. You know it has to be severe or has to be pretty funny when you have Lane Kiffin chiming in on X slash Twitter saying, you feeling okay, coach? Yeah. In regards to that comment that he made apologizing by name to Austin Hannon. And, you know, Lane Kiffin's one of those guys who listens to everything That Nick Saban has to say, and for him to say, Are you feeling okay, coach? That's something that is is softening up. Is he softening up, man? Do do you think Miss Terry made him apologize, or do you think it is just him becoming old age to say, I probably should have held my tongue a little bit?
3: I I could see it. You know, maybe her daughter showed Miss Terry, like, Look what's going viral with dad, and then her being like, now, Nick, you know you didn't have to jump on that boy like that. You could have, and that wasn't even that bad of a question. <laughs> Not like that dumb one you got at SEC media days. <laughs> yeah, I, I I know that he has softened up, and but, wh- it, but the apology did seem out of nowhere. It did. It it it, like, it it. it wasn't like he said, "Hey, that was the stupidest question I ever heard," because. I mean, you can go on YouTube and look up like a compilation of Nick Saban just ripping into his reporters, rinse, yeah. and like going off on them, and like you know the veins popping out of his forehead, and that's what gets the first ever Nick Saban apology. Come on, man. Yeah, I, I was a little bit I, it, taken back by it, and, and I'm
2: glad he did apologize. I really am. But I, I knew this too. No apologies needed. For fan bases in the NFL, we kick off the NFL season tonight. And, Nick, when you think about annoying fan bases, who do
3: you go with when you think about the most annoying fan bases in the NFL? New England Patriots are my personal most annoying fan base that I know.
2: The NFL's most hated fan base, according to Sports Betting AG. Number one, it would probably be because you picked the Cowboys to go to the Super Bowl. No, they are the number one most annoying fan base, according to Sports Betting AG, followed by the Browns, the Eagles, the Steelers, Bears fans, Bills fans, Giants, Chiefs, Jets, and Vikings. I don't
3: got nothing against any Cowboys fans. I don't have anything against any Browns fans. I feel like they know that they're the butt of the joke, so how can they really be that annoying now, do the Cowboys get a lot of publicity? Yes, but, I mean, there was a Cowboys fan in the app when I said I had them win the Super Bowl, and he said, I actually agree with the caller that said that there's no way it'll happen. So <laughs> I feel like they're self-deprecative enough to where, to me, they're not the most annoying. I can't stand those cocky fan bases like the Patriots or the New Orleans Saints, how the refs cheated us, the Rams shouldn't have. Oh, come on. Get over it, man. Well, you do have Ryan Ganey saying, Falcons fans are so Man, annoying. That is not even true. Falcons fans, we're the butt of every damn joke. How can <laughs> we be annoying? We're not annoying. I, I I think it's because you guys might be doing a little flapping of there, the there, mouth because you can't win. There's a difference between a Falcon fan being annoying that being myself because i am very confident in my dirty birds but falcon fans as a whole i don't really hear them hear them chirping too much i I can see where the dog pound comes in at number two
2: because that's a vicious place to be in in cleveland and and the eagles you, you look at philadelphia It's not the city of brotherly love. I can promise you that. You don't come in as the NFL's most hated fan base at number three if you're the city of brotherly love. The Steelers, one of those historic, traditional
3: powerhouses in the NFL. And the Bears also. See, I think the Bears, they also know that they're the butt of the joke. I think it's maybe one of the bigger fan bases, but I wouldn't say annoying, like. I don't know. So, so
2: if the, you had to pick the most annoying fan base outside of the Patriots, because you, you
3: you would say it goes Patriots. The, oh and my Saints. gosh, them and that in that damn uh, pass interference and the refs and oh we got cheated in back to back years. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> hey, I accepted my team's big fat embarrassing L. Except yours. You dude. mean the twenty eight to three L. Is that the one you're referencing? No, a, a different one.
2: Okay. Yes, that one. <laughs> well, I mean, they've had so many. You could oh, pick yes, You could them. Yes, yes. <laughs> it is a pick em. I mean, they,
3: they have lost a couple of Super Bowls, have yeah, they not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, look, I'm just saying. And the Patriots, man, they're the worst. They're the worst. Gosh, they're the worst. Because I feel like they got one over on so many people, you know. With the plate game? Well, no, I'm talking about like they got the Seahawks in that embarrassing fashion <laughs> where they got that interception. <laughs> they got my Falcons on the comeback. It's just like, man, it's annoying. Speaking of the Patriots, did you see this Bill Belichick story? Bill Belichick and his longtime girlfriend have broken up, and the Saint—I mean, not the Saints—the Patriots' ownership is nervous and is you know on on watch and on alert. Because they're afraid, and no, it's not that they're afraid that Bill Belichick is so heartbroken. They're afraid that this uh, woman might start leaking information about the organization and about Belichick that she knows that is not supposed to be out. Well, that that's a pretty persuasive
2: story to kick off your NFL season, Nick. Uh, I, Bill Belichick, anytime you can get him in the news with something other than football, it's always fun and entertaining so it, it, the story goes to say his ex ex-girlfriend is is going to be the culprit here of
3: of leaking out some some we'll vital that. information I don't know, man. Not a lot of good news coming out of New England. Talking about Juju Smith. Did you see that report Or they're saying, man, his knee could explode any minute now? <laughs> what does that even mean? Like, 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 is that one of them Suicide Squad uh, things in his in his uh, knee or something? I don't know. But I, I, I think again, the the Patriots finishing last in the league.
2: You can't have one of the most annoying fan bases and one most no, hated fan the bases. They're
3: g- we know they're going to finish last, but they're so damn annoying. Yo, go talk to Michael <laughs> Bronner, for example. <laughs> Exhibit A. like <laughs> he, he, he swears up and down that they're going to win 10 games. I'm telling you, they li- they just live in a different world. They'll say that, and then at the same time, they'll be like, man, we need to get rid of Bill Belichick. It's like, wait, are y'all good or are you bad? Like, man, pick a side. Who, who's going to win more games this year? Is it going to be the Falcons or... Or is it going to be the Patriots? The Falcons, by far. The Falcons are going to have double-digit wins. So we have they the second easiest schedule and the most versatile offense and the most improved defense in the league. Carolina and Atlanta
2: showcasing this coming Sunday. And it's an early kickoff, too. It's one of the first kickoffs that we'll have. And you we get started here with Detroit and Kansas City tonight. The the odds are saying KC by four and a half, and those odds have changed since Travis Kelsey has right. had a hyperextended knee, not knowing whether he's going to play or not. So something to keep an eye on well, as as this show un- unwinds to whether Kelsey he's
3: going to play or he's not going to play. Well, and they're missing their best defensive player and Jones, the defensive tackle. So this will be a really good testament to see can Patrick Mahomes really do it all is it is, is, does it really come down to that you're missing out of your top three best players on your roster you're missing two of them can Patrick Mahomes be enough is he enough can he just throw it out to anyone who who is who is the number one receiver in Kansas City I don't think it's Tony
2: well I sure hope That's what's, I, I don't know Darius didn't play any of the preseason yeah, because of yeah. his meniscus injury so I'm hoping he'll be able to return here tonight and really kind of Take over where he left off in the Super Bowl, which was, to me, almost an MVP type of performance and oh, making sure. Super Bowl history.
3: No question about that. But, it, I mean, look, if you could start against any defense for your first game, you'd want it to be the Detroit Lions. So The Detroit I mean, Lions bad. of the past, yes. This current Detroit Lions team, I, I don't know. I don't know. Their, their offense is good. Defense, we'll see. In the app, they're predicting Sky Moore going to have a huge night tonight. Ryan, Falcon, and the Hawks are both trash. Nick picked against Bama this week. He's going to catch all the heat. Hey, man, my hands are open. I'm ready for it. But the Hawks aren't trash. We were just in the Eastern Conference Finals not too long ago. Go! But, hey, this is a football show, right? So let me stop. Steel Tide. Corey, you may want to remind Nick that he lives in a mostly saints town and that the address to WNSP Studios is public. Hey, man. <laughs> Google it. 1100 Dolphin Street. I want the smoke. Come on. Now, I'm not going to let you in the door. <laughs> I'll wait to you through the window. I got a show to do. No doubt about it, Nick. We'll be right
2: back here on The Final Drive.
4: Hi, this is Bo Mattingly, co-producer
3: of Training Days, Rolling with the Tide. You're to WNSP 105.5 Mobile. Welcome back to the final drive. And look, if you guys are so confident in Alabama, come on out to The Outsider this Saturday. Come watch it with me. And if they get up, you can rub it in my face and You know, you can get some enjoyment out of that. And look, you can also get a free T-shirt. You can enter to win a throwback Jerry Judy Alabama Crimson Tide jersey. You can also enter the Outsiders drawing for Iron Bowl tickets. They're going to be having drink specials. They got 22 TVs up in there, so every game is going to be on. But we all know we're focusing on Alabama, Texas, and the Insider is right next door. That food court, you can eat whatever you want. And guys, look, if you're in your feels because I'm so anti-New Orleans or whatever, you're going to like the next guest that we have, Mike Haas, the voice of the New Orleans Saints. So, there. Are you happy now? Mike Haas getting it done. Plenty of Saints
2: information and action going in. Of course, yesterday we learned that their fourth-round draft pick, was suspended from the quarterback position. It's going to put Jameis Winston in now as a definite second string because of PEDs. And Jimmy Graham, he's cleared from his little mishap that he had earlier last month. So we're looking forward to talking to him. But while we're talking New Orleans and the state of Louisiana, Kim Mulkey, she just wins her fourth national championship at LSU First at LSU, third, she won at Baylor. But she gets a 10-year, $32 million contract. Mm. 10 years, 32 mil for Kim Mulkey. So she's definitely looking at the cha-ching, cha-ching dollar signs, making more money than Gino Oriyama or Don Staley, who were formerly the highest-paid coaches. You look at Oriyama, 15 mil at UConn his extension in 21. Staley, last year, she signs a seven-year deal for 22.4 mil, and now Mulkey. Ten years, $32 million. That's what happens when you come in and win a national championship it's gonna immediately. Be,
3: it's going to be interesting to see what suits she comes out with next year now that she's got a little more uh, designer money, cash yeah, purse.
2: Yeah, yeah. I, I, and again, she loves her, her Louisiana roots and her Cajun roots, and we love the New Orleans Saints roots, and we'll see if they can get off to a 1-0 start as they host the Tennessee Titans this Sunday. And who better to talk about it than Mike Haas? Coming up next here on the final drive on WNSP 105.5.
5: Hi, this is Cornelius Bennett, three-time All-American College Football Hall of Fame, and you're listening to WNSP.
2: To the final drive. Welcome back to the Final Drive on WNSP 105.5. Corey LeBounty, along with Nick Wiggins joining you on this Thursday afternoon and it is the opening kickoff of the NFL tonight. The Kansas City Chiefs playing with no Chris Jones, possibly no Travis Kelsey. Will that mean that the Detroit Lions can go into Arrowhead and find a way to get a W? We'll find that out, but... The, the New Orleans Saints is a franchise that we cover here on WNSP every single Sunday or Monday or Thursday whenever they happen to be playing on television. We love to see what the Saints are going to do and great expectations for the Saints this season. Coming in with a new quarterback in Derek Carr, which has energized the community and the franchise. And now, without question, going to be joined by Mike Haas, who covers the Saints on a daily and weekly, is the voice of the New Orleans Saints. Mike, welcome to the Final Drive. Thanks for joining us.
8: No problem. Happy to do it, man. Game week I mean, put the preseason behind us and let's play some real football.
2: That's right. It's that time to where the Titans come to town. And I I will go ahead and address the elephant in the room. Anytime you have a player right here, right before the season starts, and Jake Hayner, he apologized, said he didn't have a PED in his system, didn't know how that got there. Regardless, the NFL goes ahead and suspends him for the first six games. It does mean that Jameis Winston, though, will definitely play a vital role behind Derek Carr because you're always that one play away from needing someone like Jameis Winston to take the helm.
8: Very much so, and we kind of saw the inkling of this happen earlier in the week when the Saints moved Taysom Hill back to the quarterback room even though he'd been in the tight end room all of training camp. Uh, so you're right. I mean, it, it's, it shouldn't be too impactful just because Hanner would have likely been the number three uh, quarterback after you hope nothing has – you know, he's been pretty healthy throughout his whole career for, for Derek Carr. But still, it's, it's, it's six games, and, you know, the NFL doesn't allow – anything it doesn't they're like take whatever you are taking to your trainer and you know have them check it out and just make sure that everything is clear but you're right it does it's it's as Jameis has learned you know and that in his first year when he got hurt and then when he got hurt in the second year that it, it, you're always one play away
3: you know speaking of trainers and needing to be cleared Michael Thomas he's been a little off and on the past couple seasons what is he looking like here coming, you know, starting week one? Is he 100% ready to go?
8: Yeah, he's 100%. I mean, looks good, looks strong, looks determined. I mean, I think he's got a bit of a, and I'm fine, a bit of a chip on his shoulder, if you will, to try to prove. I don't know if he'll ever get back to 2019, because 2019 numbers were Drew Brees' numbers, and they're they're – the team was throwing the heck out of the football, but the way Mike Thomas started last year was exceptional. He had three touchdowns in two games, and then the injury of the toe, which, as it turns out, was far more serious than we kind of learned throughout the season. So, yeah, he he's been back all training camp. He didn't he played about as much as I expected in the preseason games. He took part in a lot of the. Two practices with the Chargers and so yeah, he's on, he's hundred percent ready to go.
3: Who do you see Derek Carr favoring? Do you think it's Michael Thomas and potentially maybe getting back close to uh what that role was with Drew Brees, or is this Chris Olave at the number one receiving slot now? Man, I think it's I think it's
8: gonna be a little bit of both and maybe it's 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 Juwan Johnson and maybe it's Jimmy Graham. I, I think He's been Derek's been a big tight end guy, and he's got his own, you know, and uh, Foster Moreau. So he's got a, a great situation. As you look at this receiving core with Rasheed Shahid, Chris Olave, and Mike Thomas, Jimmy Graham, Jawan John Johnson, and Foster Moreau, and put Taysom wherever your heart desires, you've got a much better situation from who you might want to throw it to. We we haven't said back shoulder, and seam routes for this football team in several years, and Jimmy Graham did it in back-to-back back plays in the third preseason game. So I know, from Derek Carr's standpoint, that is a luxury to have, to be able to have receivers that can to, can do back shoulder, can do seam routes, and uh, so I, I don't know if there is a technical number one guy. He they're all new to him except for uh, Foster, so. The offense is, I think we're going to see more of the kind of offense that we saw when Drew was here. That is, man, short passes, quick release, get rid of it. And when Derek Carr holding the ball that long and, you know, move up and down the field with with short passes and runs.
2: We're speaking with Mike Haas. He's play-by-play for the New Orleans Saints, and it really starts with defense for New Orleans and Cam Jordan being that absolute rock. And on the backside of that defense, tyron matthew I, I always to me going to be called the honey badger even though he doesn't like that name any longer hard to believe that he's been in the nfl now for 11 years and taking that leadership role and really was a big time factor for this defense last year for the saints
8: very much so and he kind of you know had a, i wouldn't say slow start but he really kind of turned it on towards the end of the season he was named one of the saints captains for this year so i thought that was really interesting along with jt gray cam jordan uh and demario davis on the defense but you're right this this defense was strong last year really strong in the final back end of the of the season as far as points allowed uh, it's really and, – and if you look at this defense and say well, make a change, well, it's got to be turnovers. Create more turnovers. That is the one thing we have, uh, you know, talked about uh, forever during this training camp. And quite frankly, it, we've seen it. They were plus three in the turnover margin. Uh, I know it's preseason and you can't really use facts like that, but that's the biggest difference in this defense from, say, 2021 20, to 22 is that they just didn't create – turnovers and you don't do that it's hard to be uh, a a real you know game situation changing defense they're all phenomenal players but man they they just got to get some turnovers and I I think that's been a focus for them this offseason and training camp.
2: How much fun has it been to see the versatility of Taysom Hill? I mean, here's a guy who comes into, you don't know whether he's a tight end, you don't know whether he's a quarterback, you don't know whether he's a wide receiver, but the ability to do all of the above for the Saints within his seven years with the organization, what does he really mean to this franchise? And is he he one of the fans'
8: all-time favorites? He seems to be. It's just because of his kind of attitude you know if you tell him all right go run through that brick wall right there because it will help your football team (laughs) the brick wall is getting run through and it feels like this year even though he's still the swiss army knife it feels like he is more kind of at home, at peace with his role, uh, he can still, you know, he spent training camp. He, he told us, "You know, I, well, I go to the quarterback room, and I go to the running back room, and I go to the tight end room. It depends on where wherever they want me." And but for this training camp, he caught more passes at tight end in training camp, I didn't pretty much during the preseason, but he caught more passes at tight end than I would say he has caught in his career at tight end. So it really felt like, okay, well, maybe that's where they're going to use him more. I still think he's going to be kind of that RPO quarterback, maybe not always on third down where it's so somewhat predictable, but he he can throw. He's going to be, you know, can come in and do something. He, he's, he's the guy that when he's on the field, irrespective of where he lines up, the other team has to know where's number seven if he's on the field. Very few players command that kind of where seven, right? And so no even if he's a decoy, where seven is is very productive. And yeah, he's he's definitely one of the fan favorites.
2: You look at how the Saints opened the season with the Titans followed by the Panthers, the Packers, and the Buccaneers. Two out of your four right there in the division to start things off. How important is it for this Saints and Dennis Allen, who some say is in the hot seat. I personally don't feel like he's in a hot seat, but how important is it for him to go ahead and secure those first two divisional wins outside of, all right, you may drop one to Tennessee, you may drop one to green bay but you definitely can't drop to carolina and or tampa bay
8: right i mean they got swept by carolina last year they got swept by tampa bay and so you're exactly right to have two of your first four in the division uh the the schedule in my you know respect is not favorable they are on the road for their first six and this is what I've said ad nauseum and so, but it's the first time for you guys. But think about this: they play, they play four home games until December. Four, that's it. So you're on the road. You're gonna, you cannot get so far behind. You can't where you're playing uphill. Those those first eleven weeks of the season, one of them is a bye week. But those first ten weeks man, you've got to really play well on the road. And they are like few other teams that they will play the entire rookie quarterback class in the first eight weeks. Now, should something happen to, you know, uh, Tannehill, they could face the entire rookie class in the first eight weeks. They're going to get Bryce, then they're going to get Jordan Love, who's really basically a rookie. Uh, You know, Baker Mayfield hasn't been around a ton. You get the Houston Texans with C.J. Stroud, and then you get Indianapolis. I mean, you are going to face them all in the first eight weeks. So now everybody goes, oh, well, that's cake. You know, they got these rookie quarterbacks. Well, my point is we think so, but we don't know you don't know how they're going to be. Carolina is going to be with Bryce. You don't know uh, if Houston's going to be much better. How much better will Indianapolis be? How much better will Atlanta be with Desmond Ritter in his second year now? It's a lot of unknowns out there in this NFC South.
3: That's an interesting perspective because you know with the however many away games you guys are playing cuz you'll see, you know, going viral on Twitter over the past couple of days where they do the strength of schedule and it's the New Orleans Saints, the easiest schedule in the NFL, and the Atlanta Falcons just right above them.
8: Right. When that's, and This is exactly what the NFL wants. So if you do it just by opponent's records, no, don't take into effect who, where you're playing or anything else. If you just do it by opponent's records, the Falcons have the easiest schedule by, I'm talking, I mean, decimal points, and then it's the Saints. But if you look at other websites who will counter in where are they playing, when are they playing, then the Saints do have the easiest schedule, and that is exactly how the NFL plans it. If you look at the bottom ten of the of the NFL last year, the bottom four were the NFC East who flipped it, flipped it around to become playoffs. and that, So you get these easier schedules, and they're easier. Based on the last year's winning percentage, it doesn't make them easy, but it makes them easier based on last year's winning you know, percentages. And so you're right. The teams are not difficult, but it's three of your first, you know, home to road, home to road, home, road, home, road, road. Wow. So irrespective of who you're playing, you better – Be able to play well on the road, and that means running the football. Now, they don't, you play Green Bay in September, you play New England in October, so you got no cold weather games. Most of your games are going to be inside. And there's no excuses for this football team. They've got the talent, and it's just about going out and, and, and creating turnovers, not turning the ball over, not being one dimensional, throwing the football, being able to run the football. And I think this is a quality football team.
2: Speaking with Mike Haas, voice of the New Orleans Saints getting excited for kickoff Saints style on Sunday. But to me, another intriguing aspect of this Saints offseason, preseason was the kicker issue. You have two rookie kickers, whether it's a place kicker or a punter to come in. You trade away Lutz at the last moment. He goes back and plays for his former coach with the Broncos. The specialists for the Saints have been a story for sure.
8: Yeah, I can't – I mean, I was surprised. I was not surprised at one of them. I was surprised at both. Usually in a kicking contest, like a groupie versus Lutz, and it's pretty close, and it was close. They both raised their game – this training camp that typically you might go with a veteran, but they saw nothing nothing groupie um, uh, to keep him. And conversely, I felt that the punting battle was almost the exact opposite. Neither really raised the other's game. I just felt like Gilligan was kicking not to lose his job. Just, just don't shank it. Just you don't have to boom it. Just don't, you know, don't don't do something really terrible that would cost you your job. And so. I'm I i was not but I saw so much more in in Headley over Gilligan. That was a, was a close one, but to go with two rookies and then they'll be kicking to Kiaris Jackson who for Tennessee who was an undrafted free agent from Georgia, you got rookies kicking the rookies. So a lot of things can happen uh in the special teams game and, and it could be very a very, very big factor this weekend.
3: Great stuff, Mike. And look, we know our listeners can hear you during every Saints game here on our home station, 105.5 FM, but where can our listeners find the rest of your New Orleans Saints coverage?
8: Typically, you know, we're we're on WWL AM, FM, the big 870, 50,000 watt. But on Monday nights, you'll have the Dennis Allen show. That is all part of the network from 6 to 7 o'clock. And then on uh, Tuesday, you'll have the General Manager Show with, with Mickey Loomis. So you'll have shows uh, along the network uh, that will be there always and, you know, just kind of keep everybody abreast with Dennis Allen on Mondays uh, and, and everything else as the season progresses. And then, if you can, Deuce McAllister, the greatest color analyst in football, and I, we do a show on Fridays called Fans in the Pro uh, from 4 to 6. So, W -W L WWL is a powerful, powerful station, and we're just very lucky to be working there.
3: Great stuff, man. We appreciate it, and we look forward to listening to you on Sunday. Thanks very much, man. Let's go. Let's get a W and get this thing started.
2: No more excitement that you'll find than him right there covering the Saints on a day-to-day basis. The Voice of the New Orleans Saints joining us this afternoon on the final drive as the Saints prepare to take on Tennessee. Any predictions there, Nick? I think the Saints will go marching in and marching on to a W. Saints
3: will win. Look, I I got the Saints having a good year. Just not better than your Falcons. Just not better than my Falcons, correct.
2: Well, we
3: always look, can agree he to said disagree. said the schedule's tough for
2: them. Look, anytime you're not playing at home, And you're on the road more so, you better win on the road or you're putting more pressure on the backside of the schedule. The final drive will be right back here on WNSP 105.5.
5: This is Brad Nessler, and you're listening to WNSP 105.5 in Mobile.
2: Welcome back to the final drive on WNSP 105.5. I want to thank Mike Haas, the voice of the New Orleans Saints, for joining us this afternoon on the final drive as they prepare for the Tennessee Titans. And tonight, NFL kickoff to get us started. Kansas City, can they repeat? No Chris Jones. We knew that's why the Chiefs signed Mobile's own Neil Farrell shore up that defensive line but also now breaking news that travis kelsey officially out versus the detroit lions so that's a huge factor for patrick mahomes getting started and trying to to make some positive things happen early for what i could say is going to be another most valuable player award
3: added to his shelf This season? I mean, the chances of that happening are high, about as high as they could be for any player. You know he's going to throw for 5,000 yards. You know he's going to have 40 touchdowns or more. And you know the Chiefs are going to win at minimum 12 games. It's the Chiefs, it's Andy Reid. This is just what they do. But You're missing two of your three best players. Chris Jones, the best defensive player on your team. Gone. Travis Kelsey, the best offensive player on your team other than your quarterback. So, tonight will really reveal, especially against this super overhyped Detroit Lions team that everyone is just really buying into, seeing how they, you know, kicked Aaron Rodgers out of Green Bay. It'll (laughs) reveal a lot. Can Patrick Mahomes be enough? Is is Patrick Mahomes really all you need? You remember back in the day where you'd say, you could put LeBron on any NBA team and they're in the finals. Is Patrick Mahomes on that level of NFL player? Put him on any roster. If Patrick Mahomes was the Cardinals quarterback, would they be a playoff contending team? Tonight will really reveal just how great Patrick Mahomes is.
2: He's going to start the NFL season off right, and he's going to do it. In his home field, home field advantage to me makes a difference in the first game. The excitement of being crowned and and knowing that you're popping out those Super Bowl rings that were given to you, but the banner being dropped and risen there in Kansas City. Going to be fun to see Clyde Edwards Hilaire. I know he ran crazy against Alabama a few years ago when LSU wins the national championship. We'll see if he gets things back in gear Also, LaMichael Pirine, part of that practice squad for the Chiefs. And I mentioned Kadarius Toney. Hopefully, he comes back and is a big-time factor for the Chiefs this season. The final drive, hour number three coming up. And hour number three is going to be our Gulf Coast Auto Tech. Tied and...
0: This is the Gulf Coast Auto Tech Tide and Tiger Report on 105.5 FM WNSP. An hour of the latest news and reports from the Plains and the Capstone with Corey LaVounte and Nick Wiggins. Brought to you by State Farm Agent Heath Parker. Streaming live on the sound of Mobile App, here are Corey and Nick.
2: Welcome to the Gulf Coast Auto Tech Tide and Tiger Report. Yes, it is kickoff for the NFL, but there are plenty of Alabama Crimson Tide players in the NFL, plenty of Auburn Tigers in the NFL, and we take great pride in that here in this great state. Also, take great pride in our next guest here on the Tide and Tiger Report, Drew Diarman. He's always talking ball on Huntsville's 97 point seven the zone at ESPN and Drew my brother we put total leather a week ago and Jalen Miro comes away with five total touchdowns and really shows his poise and his presence in the pocket and puts all those lank doubters to
5: rest yeah I mean no question I mean he played about as well as he could I said going in that um he was going to uh, with my intel that he had held on to the job and certainly is going to have to go out and take it by the bull by the horn so to speak and we'll see if he continues to do that against the longhorns on saturday but uh, it was definitely going into the game his job to lose and if he played very well he was going to start this week which that's the case and if he plays as well as he did uh you know against middle tennessee and that efficiently then i think alabama's found qb1 uh you know i think he had a lot of doubters, kind of like Blake Sims back in 2014. And Blake certainly played pretty well against West Virginia. In my recollection, I mean, he really had his coming-out party at home against Florida and Will Muschamp. And that's kind of when he totally – I think everybody stopped wondering if he was going to be the guy. So we'll see if Jalen Milrow can put that all that to rest. It's interesting the quarterback competition has been – one that's had, you know, been kind of like a roller coaster behind him. Uh, we had really good intel that, uh, you know, Tyler Buckner had come a long way since the first scrimmage and was going to be number two, Ty Simpson three. And then, of course, they love Dylan Lonergan, but he's a freshman. And ultimately, they'd like to redshirt him. And, you know, as you know, uh, Corey and Nick, I mean, uh, what we've seen out of Milro, he's bided his time. Uh, he threw the ball with tremendous, uh, you know, accuracy deep was very efficient, and we all know he's the, the most explosive runner that Alabama's had, I think, ever at the quarterback position. I know uh, it was got a lot of the wishbone era was before my time, but I've seen some g- really good athletes at the quarterback position, but none like Milro. If he can become an efficient passer, he is going to be very, very difficult to stop because, as you saw, he didn't have a great game running the football, but when he did, he, just like on that bad snap from McLaughlin, He made you know chicken salad out of chicken. You know what, 21 yard TD, and uh, you know uh, a couple of the other red zone opportunities he had on a third down. He took off for a 21 yard gain. He just has, but if he gets to the second step, he has the ability to go 80 yards because he's that fast. He's faster than the tailback. It all comes down to accuracy and decision making with Jalen, and I gave him an A in the first start against Middle Tennessee, and. We'll see if he can do that against the Longhorns. But I think he's an outstanding weapon, and certainly to his credit, he's uh, he uh, he's grinded for this opportunity. And uh, this is a huge win coming up for him on Saturday against his home state school that he was committed to at one time.
2: It's only right. My partner here, Nick Wiggins, says the J-E-T-S Jets, Jets, Jets are going to win this year's Super Bowl. Of course, the last time they were able to do that, a former Alabama great, Willie Joe Namath, was at quarterback. He'll be College Game Day's guest picker. It's going to be a lot of fun. The environment's going to be second to none in T-Town this weekend as the Longhorns are coming to town.
5: Yeah, I mean it's going to be off the chain. I mean, I, you know, it's probably going to be the most star-studded recruiting weekend Alabama's had in a long time, and that's saying a lot because they've done a great job, uh, you know, under Nick Saban in recruiting throughout his tenure there. But when you're talking about a brand like Texas, and you already have in your neck of the woods, uh, you know, a high-profile QB uh, committed to Texas, you've already got Ryan Williams, his teammate, committed to Alabama. Bo Davis has done a lot of recruiting in the state of Alabama. Justice Pinkley on the team now from Hewitt-Trustville on the defensive line. He's pretty much offered kids in, every, in the last three cycles in the state of Alabama. So Texas has been making their presence felt, uh, no doubt about it. And so uh, they're both national brands, so a lot of kids from around the country. I mean, even basketball. We've got Caleb Holt, uh, who I think could be the best player in the state of Alabama, uh, at least he and LeBaron file on. Of course, Caleb is only uh, going to be a rising sophomore this year, uh, but he is going to come to the game, visit Alabama and take a, a part in this uh, unbelievable atmosphere. Yeah, it's going to be a great atmosphere. There's no doubt about it. Uh, you know, Alabama has got a top four recruiting class right now, but it, you know, they, they've they got to finish strong. They've got probably seven, eight spots left. Uh, and then some, maybe some guys, some spots they're going to save for the transfer portal, but it, Certainly, they're going to bring a lot of star power to town. And, you know, anytime you can get these kind of kids on campus, no question about it, that uh, that it's going to help the University of Alabama. And it'll help Stark, too, because, of course, he's recruited very well. Everywhere he's been, really. Uh, but the, with Texas, he's restocked that roster quickly. They have a lot of skilled players. And I'll be honest, it's the biggest game in college football, Corey and Nick. And it's going to have the most eyeballs on it because, Texas is picked to win the Big 12. A lot of people didn't pick Alabama to win the SEC, but uh, they I think they were very impressive against Middle Tennessee. We saw what happened to LSU against a really good Florida State team, so they've already faced adversity. And if Alabama performs well in this game, uh, it's going to send a message to the rest of college football. So you're going to have all these eyes on you, and who better to have as the guest bigger than Joe Willie Namath, who, of course, uh, is uh, synonymous. Uh, with football at the University of Alabama and you could argue with all the star power that Alabama's had in their storied history of football he's still at or near the top
3: what do you think that Alabama's keys to success are going to be against Texas and to make sure that they come away with the win at home in Tuscaloosa
5: yes, well uh, Nick I'll tell you what I think that first of all it's going to be uh the line of scrimmage uh they they have to be able to run the football. They ran it well, but not great. Uh, it was, you know, they averaged five yards a carry. Uh, you know, they they uh, they rushed over 200 yards, but it wasn't a 300 350 yard juggernaut against Middle Tennessee. So, Bo Davis's defensive line is certainly going to check your oil. Uh, but they need to be able to run the football and help, uh, certainly, uh, you know, Jalen Milrow out. Uh, and they need to contain the run. They need to make Texas one dimensional. Uh, you know, I thought they did a pretty good job against B. John Robinson last year. But once again, they've got to make things more difficult on Quinn Ewers. Uh, and I think, you know, some tackling is going to come at a at a premium. Uh, but I think the first thing that they've got to do is stop the run and establish the run along the line of scrimmage. Whoever runs the football best in this game is going to win it. And I think the other key is turnovers. Alabama did not force near as many turnovers a year ago Uh, you know, as they needed to. They weren't disruptive. They forced two against Middle Tennessee, a fumble recovery and an interception. Uh, And, uh, and of course, uh, they need to continue to do that this year. They probably should have forced another turnover or two this past Saturday. So winning the turnover battle is going to be of paramount uh, importance. And then, you know, the secondary, because they're probably not going to see in in the SEC uh now they're gonna see a freak like Brock Bowers, but Texas has the star power. They've got depth. They've got former Georgia receiver A.D. Mitchell. They've got Xavier Worthy who hurt Alabama for a half last year. Uh they've got Jatavian Sanders at tight end. Uh, you know, they've got uh you know, they they've got big time uh, they've got Jordan Whittington who hurt Alabama some last year. They have a very balanced uh, passing game, so they're gonna have to affect the quarterback and Ewers. Uh, you know, I, a lot of people were Uh, I I was very impressed with Alabama defensively last week. I've come up with this, and this is what I want to see all year, though. They need to have cohesion, communication, and domination. And I thought they dominated and attacked Middle Tennessee. They need to do the same thing, uh, you know, against Texas. I think the addition of Kevin Steele has been key. But I think, really, when you think about it, again, they've got to, you know, They've got to win the turnover battle. They've got to stop the run. They've got to run the football themselves. And then first and foremost, uh, they've got to cut down on the penalties because I thought penalties last year kept Texas in the ball ballgame. Uh, they had 15, I believe, uh, and uh, that was just way too many. Uh, they only had two last week. Uh, they had none on offense. That's got to continue if they're going to win a big game like this against the Longhorns inside of Bryant-Denny Stadium.
2: Yeah, 15 penalties for 100 yards, an entire football field, never going to win in a positive situation in a big game. You know, Alabama gets out by their skin of the teeth, despite having a record number of penalties at that moment and at that game under Nick Saban. The Nick Saban coach team had never been penalized that many times. But Jalen Milrow, you mentioned him being the difference. I think that the offensive line is also – going to be the difference to me you say the keys offensive line and the secondary the health of malachi moore and key who came up with a, a critical interception for himself from a confidence standpoint transferring in from uab like you said the alignment and the communication and the secondary to me that's has something to prove also
5: it does. I mean, but of course, a good pass rush can really help that out, no doubt about it. And that's where causing turnovers can help you. Uh, you know, so far, uh, the, the, it's interesting the buzz you hear. I know Malachi Moore and Jalen Key both practiced yesterday, but still not sure how much either of them can play in this game. I think Malachi is more likely to play than Key. Uh, Malachi had an ankle, and I believe Key had a knee. So if they can't go, you saw a guy like Christian Story play much of the second half at safety. He could very well get the start for Alabama. Uh, a guy like Terion Arnold is versatile. He can play that star position if Malachi Moore has to limit his reps. But you could also see an Earl Little Jr. Or, I, I, you know, the the thing the thing to really watch for is, you know, what kind of week of practice uh, did Trey Amos have? If he had a good week, I wouldn't be surprised to see Trey Amos and Kool-Aid at the corner spot and then move Terry on Arnold inside to star because he's played that before. The good part about a lot of these guys is they're very versatile, uh, Nick and uh, Corey. And so that's what I would look for. I mean, certainly, uh, and, and it kind of goes back to what I said earlier, and one of my keys was is tackling, is that you know Alabama's going to have to tackle well. You don't want to give up a lot of yak, yards after catch. Everybody knows Stark likes to get the backs involved and also use uh, swing passes as a weapon and quick screens to the wide receivers. So this Alabama defense needs to get off blocks. They need to tackle very well and limit the explosive plays. And, uh, I, you know, the key, the cool thing is that they had a very experienced secondary last year, but a lot of those guys have moved on to the NFL. I think they're more athletic with more talent this year, though, and I think it's a little bit deeper group and I know they lost Jarquez Robinson to Colorado and Traquan Fagans to USC, but honestly, Antoine Fagans, uh, Traquan's brother, will be visiting the game after decommitting from Southern Cal, but I think this secondary may be deeper. It is deeper for Alabama, and we may have to find out how deep because, again, uh, this run, this uh, injury situation is not ideal, but I do think Alabama has cross-trained a lot of guys in the off-season, and I think uh, Trey Amos, and Jalen Key are both going to pay dividends. He has already done so, uh, but we may see Trey Amos with his coming out party on Saturday because I still say, though, the pass rush is the key because I know Dallas Turner didn't get a sack last week, but he had four pressures, and I saw a stat that kind of stunned me. He only had nine all of last year, had four in one game against Middle Tennessee. One of his pressures directly led to Key's interception, and so he's going to need – he and – Chris Braswell, who I thought had a strong first game, and then the guys behind them, Quandarius Robinson, who had a sack, and Keanu Kuhn, who really seems to be coming on. Those guys are going to have to affect Quinn Ewers. He's not the most mobile guy, so you need to pressure and move him off his spot. That would lead to turnovers. And I think, you know, even if Alabama's banged up in the secondary, they have the depth to be able to step up and play. And so it's going to be interesting to see uh, you know it, how much and how many snaps they can get out of Malachi Moore, Jalen Keyer, and if they don't play, who's the who's the guys that can step up in this game and make a name for themselves and play well?
2: Talking with Drew DiArmond, host of Talking Ball on Huntsville's ninety-seven point seven The Zone, and also a contributor for tighterinsider.com dot com and. I know that you mentioned moments ago about the recruiting factor and the recruits that are going to be in Tuscaloosa. And one of those recruits, Sterling Dixon Jr., has been named to a Buckus watch list. And, of course, Dick Buckus being one of the fiercest linebackers of all time. But to have three linebackers from the state of Alabama, one that is verbally committed to Alabama, that's always a great look.
5: It is. Sterling Dixon's a heck of a player. You know, had a great run at Mobile Christian for Ronnie Cottrell and has now moved over to Spanish Fort and is off to a really nice start for them. Uh, The Toros, one of the best programs in 6A football. Uh, A lot of tradition over there. He wanted to play, uh, you know, at, at an even higher level in high school. I know Auburn hasn't given up recruiting him, but I think Alabama has already fought off LSU. They feel really good about Sterling Dixon and where he stands. Uh, and don't forget, you know they still got Bobby Pruitt that they've offered over at Theodore, uh, who's an outstanding player who could still be, uh, you know, a part of the class as well. He's committed to Miami. Uh, you know, again, this this recruiting, uh, you know, list is just star-studded when you've got KJ Lacey and Ryan Williams as part of it. And we know uh, KJ is of course committed to Texas, but it's a long way to go until uh, you get to the uh, to, to to signing day and having to. Uh, you know, make your final decision, and we've seen flips happen, and certainly uh, there's a lot of speculation about Ryan Williams potentially uh, even reclassifying. So it's always great to get these guys on campus, uh, no question about that. And uh, and, and Sterling Dixon is uh, and uh, Mari Jefferson, Caden Jones. You you talk you, you think about it, Drake Kirkpatrick Jr. Uh, you know, Red Morgan from uh, Central of Phoenix City. Just about all the big time guys uh, that are committed. In this 2024 class, is going to be on campus. And then when you think about five stars like Terry Bussey, uh, a lot of people think he's leaning to Texas, but he will be on campus to see Alabama. Uh, you know, uh, it could be Alabama's primary running back target, Daniel Hill, the 220-pounder from Meridian, Mississippi. He's going to be on campus. Their top-edge target, Solomon Williams uh, from Carrollwood Day School in Tampa. And then, of course, Uh, favor Edwin, the uh, massive 6'8", 290-pound Nigerian that's in his first year of high school football because Alabama needs to sign a couple of tackles in this class. And Jordan Seaton from IMG, of course, Alabama's got a pipeline there. They've got Tyler Booker right now and J.C. Latham from IMG. And, you know, Jordan Seaton, their top O-lineman, has named Alabama as his leader. So Alabama could, if they could land favor Edwin, And uh, Jordan Seaton, they'd have one of the best offensive line classes uh, in the country. And then, of course, you've got an interesting prospect like a Quentin Reese. He was there last week visiting QB Reese from Ramsey. His dad, Quentin, a senior, played at Auburn. He he visited Alabama last week, and he's going to be there again for the Texas game. He's gotten off to a great start for that Ramsey program. It's won a couple of state championships in the last five seasons. So there's just a lot of great players visiting. Uh, and it's going to be quite a, a, a showcase for Alabama to potentially put on uh, in front of a, a national audience and against and, and a great opponent uh, like uh, the Longhorns of Steve Sarkeesian.
2: Got a couple of minutes left with you, Drew. Deontay Lawson, the alpha dog for this Bama defense this season, he's going to need another great performance like he had one year ago against Texas also.
5: Yeah, he really is. I mean, I thought he was the MVP last week, along with freshman Caleb Downs defensively, Uh, you know, Corey. I I really thought he did a great job leading the defense, getting everybody lined up. Remember, this is his first year uh, calling the signals at Mike. He'd been a will linebacker. He also played, uh, you know, uh, with Ronnie Cottrell's Mobile Christian program, and he's a redshirt sophomore coming into his own. And, uh, you know, his running mate uh, was – uh, you know, uh, was uh, the transfer from Georgia uh, that uh, played uh, last week that I thought played pretty well, uh, no doubt about it. Uh, and 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 I, I think the key though we haven't really talked about it. It looks like he's practiced this week. He's coming off scope, but Jihad Campbell he's another IMG product at inside linebacker. Uh, Trez Marshall has been in his stead playing uh, for 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 uh, for uh, Jihad, but I think he's got a chance to make his Alabama debut this Saturday. He's also a guy that can be in the rabbit rush package. He's an extremely fast middle midlinebacker. Uh, and I think Alabama's starting to kind of develop some depth at that spot, too, because another one of the surprises against Middle Tennessee now, we'll see how many reps he gets, especially with Jihad back. But I thought it was the best game for Kendrick Blackshire in an Alabama uniform. He had that strip and fumble recovery and five tackles. They'll probably need to be rotating some guys in there because of this uh, This Texas O-line, pretty strong. I know they didn't play great against Rice, and some believe Alabama's didn't play great. But you know the offensive game plans are going to be a more wide open in this game for both sides. They were both saving some things. And so guys like Deontay Lawson, Jihad Campbell, and then depth like Kendrick Blackshire and Trez Marshall are going to be very, very important. When you're playing against the Texas Longhorns, you have a very talented defensive front that Alabama is going to have to deal with offensively. And then when you look at Texas' offense and Steve Sarkeesian, you're probably going to have to rotate some guys defensively because they're going to keep coming at you. Sark is a guy that's patient with the run. He usually likes to be very balanced. And so the play from the middle linebacker spot at the mic and the will are going to be very important if Alabama is going to slow down the run and I think that's one of my, that was one of my keys of when I talked to you guys when the segment started. They've got to contain that Texas run and get some pressure on Quinn Ewers and force him into some mistakes if they're going to win this game and go to 22 straight at home at Bryant-Denny Stadium.
2: All right, Drew, your final prediction for a score here for Alabama-Texas.
5: You know, I've, I've thought about this all summer, and I'm not going to change my mind. I just think Alabama is going to play much better in this game because one of the improvement defensively with the additions of Kevin Steele and Robert Bala. I think you're going to see better play from the linebacker core. I liked what I saw uh, you know, out of the outside backers. They were more active, more pressure, more discipline against Middle Tennessee. Hopefully that's going to continue. I loved watching the secondary fly around. I know they're a little banged up, but I think they've got enough depth to get through this game and I just really think Alabama is going to cover. I think they're going to pull away in the fourth quarter due to some turnovers by Texas and and some big plays made uh, in the passing game and with his feet uh, for uh, QB1 now. And I think it's going to be Jalen Milrow. I think Alabama gets the job done 34-17, to guys. I think they cover and I think uh, they prove to college football right now that they're one of the elite teams out there for going on this road trip. Uh, to uh, uh, to uh, into Tampa and South Florida next week.
2: Drew, how can people follow all of your tremendous coverage and take a listen to everything that you have going on with the Alabama Crimson Tide?
5: Well, yeah, absolutely. They can follow me at DrewD977ESPN. That's my personal account. Uh, they can follow our station at 977ESPN. And uh, we do a great job just like you guys do here in Mobile on WNSP. We're really local sports-oriented. We cover a lot of high school and college athletics. Uh, They can also uh, listen to my daily recruiting blitz show, which comes on each Monday through Friday, usually uh, after either Paul Feinbaum or after the Atlanta Braves, and it's also uh, posted on our SoundCloud account. Uh, We talked some high school football in Alabama, Texas today, and we're going to talk more high school football very likely tomorrow. But uh, we uh, they can follow me on uh, 9, nine seven seven ESPN as well, and we always enjoy uh, the time with you guys and being on the Tide, Tiger Report and talking ball and talking some Alabama. And it's going to be a great atmosphere on Saturday night, and can't wait to be a part of it. And uh, I'm sure everybody in uh, in our state's going to enjoy it. It's a it's a big weekend for both Alabama and Auburn.
2: Absolutely, Drew. Thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to join us here on the Gulf Coast Auto Tech tide and tiger report and we look forward to catching up with you very soon
5: thank you cory appreciate it thanks nick enjoyed it
2: drew d'arman joining us this afternoon and you don't want to miss next we'll have the tiger side of things when we speak to ansley lee she covers the tigers for al.com had an opportunity to witness her first auburn tigers game and the rolling of Toomer's corner as well, we'll get her predictions and her thoughts on the UMass game and the California game coming up for the Auburn Tigers next here on WNSP
0: 105.5. Welcome back to the Gulf Coast Auto Tech Tide and Tiger Report. Call now at 694-1055 or take part on the WNSP app. Once again, Corey and Nick.
2: Welcome back to the Gulf Coast Auto Tech Tide and Tiger Report. Don't want to miss our next guest coming up, Ainsley Lee, AL.com. She covers the Auburn Tigers' experience in her first game at a sold-out Jordan Harris Stadium. Record crowds there. She'll let us know all about what the Tigers need to do to prepare for the Cal Golden Bears on the left coast and that 9.30 late Kickoff, So make sure that you stay tuned. And, of course, immediately following us here on the Gulf Coast Auto Tech Tide and Tiger Report will be the prep spotlight with Pigskin Pete and Brian Gennard. So make sure you stay tuned in at 6 o'clock and don't turn that dial at all. Coming up next here on the Gulf Coast Auto Tech Tide and Tiger Report, Ainsley Lee joins us this afternoon.
5: Hi, this is Luis Gonzalez, former South Alabama Jaguar
0: and Major League player. You're listening to WNSP Mobile. Welcome back to the Gulf Coast Auto Tech Tide and Tiger Report. Call now at 694-1055 or take part on the WNSP app. Once again, Corey and Nick.
2: Welcome back to the Gulf Coast Auto Tech. Titan Tiger Report here on WNSP 105.5. Corey LeBounty, along with Nick Wiggins, joining you on this Thursday evening. Want to thank everyone for tuning in. And of course, the Auburn Tigers with a huge win over UMass this past weekend and looking forward to continuing to move to 2-0 versus the Cal. Bears on the left coast, and we'll bring in Ainsley Lee from AL.com, covers the Auburn Tigers. How's it going? I'm doing well,
9: Corey. How are you?
2: Absolutely blessed by the best. Looking forward to some NFL football tonight. Of course, we start high school football on Thursday and Friday nights and then staying up late, late to watch the Auburn Tigers take on California the Bears On the West Coast, Auburn, pretty impressive performance out of both quarterbacks, which have been a topic all summer long.
9: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think, you know, I'm speaking to probably everybody who knows, but I mean, obviously, you got to take Auburn's opponent with a grain of salt, Uh, you know, all due respect, obviously, but I'm sure, you know, certainly they weren't challenged the way that they will the rest of the season. Um, But I mean, still, I mean, all things considered, you look at kind of what they were able to do last week and. Um, it really kind of, I mean, there was no wholesale mistakes, right? Um, you, you know, I think Hugh Freeze talked about the offense a little bit. It says, well, there's a couple of reads that, um, you know, Peyton Thorne really missed. Obviously, Robbie Ashford wasn't put in too many situations where he had to make those type of decisions. Um, but, I mean, in terms of the quarterback play, I mean, yeah, you know, I think we got caught up so much um you know we being obviously myself as a, as a reporter a new reporter to the beat especially and who was going to be the guy um for this Auburn football team and then Hugh Freeze just kind of said well hold up guys I've got I've got, I've got something a little bit for everybody and i mean i think uh, we saw that kind of work those guys work in tandem last week and it's kind of like well, maybe Peyton Thorn is kind of the main entree, if you will, but um, Robbie Ashford is a really good kind of side dish. The you know the fan favorite um, that can kind of work every week. Um, and you know Hugh Freeze said on Monday, he's like, "Look, we went one and know doing this. If we go two and O doing this this Saturday, um, you know we're going to keep doing it." So it's it's, it's going to be a lot of interesting. Obviously, um, Cal is going to be a bit more of a challenge this week than UMass maybe was, and uh, so it, it'll be interesting to see kind of how that quarterback situation plays out. Absolutely.
2: Your first opportunity to to be in a historic, sold-out Jordan-Harris Stadium, a record crowd there watching their Auburn Tigers take care of business. Then you had a chance to really go and check out Toomer's Corner and the rolling of. It was kind of the day in the life of from the tailgating early pregame experience to the game experience to the postgame experience. Tell us a little bit and give us some insight for those who have never been or what it felt like, once again, for those, it's like love at first sight.
9: No, it really was. And, um, you know, I, I did a story on kind of this and did a, a game day diary is kind of how I, how I angled it on Saturday and just did a bunch of entries throughout the day. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm an early riser type person. You know, it can be, you know, even on Saturday when that game's going to be super late our time, um, you know, I'll be up before 7. I mean, I'm just – I'm an early person. And so, you know, I got up um, even before my alarm went off uh, last Saturday. And um, the media was like, well, let me get my shoes on and go walk around and see what it's like. You know, they're coming from a place like Gainesville. I mean, those kids are crazy. And, you know, they're out there at the crack of dawn, regardless of when the game is and who's playing. Uh, so I was like, well, let me go check everything out. And so I walked downtown. And, Um, Got myself a a bagel there in in, in downtown Auburn. That's kind of how I started my day. And, you know, you could see the town was, you know, kind of starting to shake alive a little bit. Everybody's trying to wake up. And uh, about 8.30, I finally made my way out to kind of like the tailgates. Um, You know, I I wrote the story that I was offered a shot of bourbon about 8.30 in the morning, uh, politely (laughs) declined. Um, But, uh, you know, just – Everybody was, there was so much, you know, hospitality and, you know, I'm coming from the South, so it wasn't such a huge shock, but you could tell that this Auburn fan base sometimes takes more pride in kind of the atmosphere that they're able to create um, than maybe even what happens on the football field. Right. And, um, you know, seeing Tiger walk and I wrote this again in my story, you know, Florida has a Gator walk, right. You know, I've been to it, gosh, probably 50 times now. And, but it's absolutely nothing. And I mean, nothing like what I experienced all Saturday, um, you know, sold out crowd. I mean, seeing, I think they guessed that maybe 20,000 people go out there for tiger walk and it was unbelievable. I couldn't see, I could, I could not believe what I was seeing. Um, so that was super cool to experience before even getting in the stadium. And, um, you know, watching the Eagle flight you, you until you see it, it almost kind of feels like a myth or a fable. Um, and then you go and watch it and you're like, Holy cow. Um, so that was super cool. And obviously you go through the game and, uh, kind of figured that Auburn was going to come out with a win on Saturday, so I knew I was going to make a beeline to Tumor's Corner and to kind of be a part of that for the first time since, what, I believe 2017 was super cool. And, again, it's one of those things you hear about, you see pictures of, uh, but none of it ever really does it justice until um, you go experience it yourself. So, uh, you know, again, from from this girl who had so much, uh, you know, admiration and affinity for Florida, where she's from, that team she grew up, Um, watching and those game day experiences, uh, I don't know if that rivals what I experienced on Saturday.
3: The atmosphere at Auburn on game days one in a million, no question. But it's going to be a little different this Saturday, kind of a lot of different. They're going all the way out to California, the latest game that Auburn has ever played in their history of being a football program. Do you think that that's going to cause any issues with them on Saturday?
9: I think you absolutely have to expect it. Uh, you know, the prospect of it being an issue, right? And um, that's why Freeze says, I really wanted to, once we found out there was going to be a late kickoff, we really wanted to leave on Friday instead of Thursday. Um, You know, they just want to really just kind of get in and get out type of thing. I know uh, Billy Napier at Florida kind of said the same thing. Obviously, it didn't really work for them in Utah, but, you know, that's what these coaches really want to do is just get in so we can stay on schedule and keep our bodies, you know, acclimated as close as we can to kind of, you know, these time zones and, um, different things like that, and get out. Um, you know, unfortunately, I think Hugh Freeze, since the airplane that they're on is being, being used by an NFL team today, or I'm sorry, tomorrow, uh, so they had to stick with their plan of uh, leaving today, leaving Thursday. Um, so, I mean, you, if, if it's something a head coach is concerned with, and he is, um, you know, you absolutely, he knows his guys, and you know this type of process and the game preparation better than any of us. And so, if he if he's got concerns, I think you definitely have to worry about, uh, you know, that Auburn team coming out a little flat um he, he, he's hoping that the guys kind of get to sleep in a little bit on friday and then they're going to go to community college there around there and practice and around the same time they would be practicing here and i, don't know, I mean i i crossed over right from florida crossed over one time zone and it's only an hour and i still get messed up like talking to my parents and things like that so i can't imagine what it's like to you know prepare for a game like that when you're jumping two time zones
2: Ainsley, going to get your prediction on this Auburn at California contest. What do you think the final score will wind up be?
9: Oh man, let me see here. I already, I already sent it to a couple of people. Let me see. Here. I want, I want to, you know, stay consistent here. Um, let's see. I think I took Auburn thirty-five seventeen. Okay. I wouldn't be surprised. That's more like a forty-two seventeen score though. To be honest, um, I think you do have to worry about the prospect of Auburn coming out a little slow. Like I said. Um, but I think eventually they'll uh, get get into a rhythm, and you know I just think uh, the physicality of this Auburn team, the the advantage it's going to have in kind of the trenches is going to take care of this game as it often does, right? Um so yeah, I'd go 35-17, 42-17, somewhere somewhere in that area.
2: That is fair enough. There, it'll be a Auburn W. It'll be a happy flight back to the loveliest village on the plane, and. How can everyone follow all of your daily coverage of the Auburn Tigers that leads up to game day and your post-game news conference that you do cover also? And just really everything Auburn, not just football, which is really the focus of where we are. A lot of basketball schedules coming out also, so people can follow all your great articles. How can they do that?
9: Yeah, sure. Um, so I can be found on Twitter at Ainsley Lee with an underscore at the end. So that's A-I-N-S-L-I-E-L-E-E just with an underscore at the end. Um, and then obviously on AL.com where, you know, we're putting stuff out every single day. Uh, but Twitter is probably the, the best collection of everything, right, um, including some probably poor music takes and everything else you can get for following me. But, um, you know, that that's where that's where you can find everything is on Twitter there.
2: Ainsley, can't thank you enough. Looking forward to continuing to follow your coverage and have you again as a guest here on our Gulf Coast Auto Tech Tide and Tiger Report on WNSP one hundred five point five.
9: Guys, appreciate it as always.
3: Ainsley Lee, joining us, Nick, and we'll she be says Auburn thirty five seventeen. And yes, then Drew said Alabama was going to win. 34 to 17 so either these teams are really good and the competition isn't anything or maybe there might be a little home team bias what do you think Corey?
2: two dominant performances
3: (laughs) two dominant
2: performances by both alabama and auburn over the weekend all right let's hope
3: so and let's hope so for our south alabama jaguars as well Gulf Coast
2: Auto Tech tied in Tiger Report. We'll put the wraps on it when we come back.
6: Hi, this is Juan Pierre, former South Alabama Jaguar, former MLB player, and you're listening to WNFB.
0: Welcome back to the Gulf Coast Auto Tech Tide and Tiger Report. Call now at 694-1055 or take part on the WNSP app. Once again, Corey and Nick.
3: Welcome back. And we are about to put a bow on this thing. Man, it's been a great show, Corey. It's NFL kickoff. Look, we're talking Tide and Tiger. I like college football, but I love NFL football. That was my first a uh, sport I feel like I really paid attention to as a kid. And it kicks off tonight. Travis Kelsey's offic- officially out. Um, a lot of people hype on the Lions. Chiefs coming off the Super Bowl. Big game. Can't wait to recap it tomorrow. Talk a little smack to Steven Root tonight. You know, he's a big Lions guy. Uh, but yeah, we, ha- we we made our predictions today. I got Jets-Cowboys in the Super Bowl with the Jets on top. Corey, he says, just run it back. Let's see the sequel, right, like in that NFL script commercial. And you got the Chiefs coming out on top again, right? Back-to-back. Back-to-back. World champions, and it starts tonight. And, of
2: course, LaMichael P. Ryan on the practice squad. Kadarius Tony. we'll see how healthy and effective he is. Yeah. Last time we saw him, the human joystick, was doing some great things in the Super Bowl, and it's been a great show today. Jamie Sheriff, South Alabama defensive lineman, joined us along with Lindsey Crosby, the voice of the New Orleans Saints, Mike Haas, and we had Drew DeArmond and Ainsley Lee with our Gulf Coast Auto Tech Tide and Tiger Report. Tomorrow, Jake Crane, Crane and Company, Love his hot takes on college football, especially after this past week's Deion Sanders rising uh. and so ultimately has the Buffaloes and the Herd stampeding into the top 25. We'll have Al Weeden breaking down the MCPSS television network game of the week. Thomas Dunn will join us to talk the Cal Bears. We'll get a Cal Bears perspective on this Alabama, excuse me, Auburn-Cal matchup. Daniel Head, the athletic director for Coastal Alabama, will also join us. So uh, another busy Friday edition, a football Friday edition of the final drive. That's a tongue twister for you. But looking forward to continuing to see what goes on tonight in the NFL, The most valuable player. You say it is not going to be from a Super Bowl participant or winner. It's going to be
3: Jalen Hurts. That's what I think. I could see Lamar. I could see Burrow. I just, I think we need to mix it up. I get Mahomes is the best quarterback in the league, but let's mix it up. Hey, we'll mix it up,
2: but it won't be this year, Nick. We'll have to wait and see after Mahomes goes back to back. Join us tomorrow on the final drive at 3 o'clock. Thanks for checking in with us.